This is Media Sales Mastery, the podcast for media sales professionals. In each episode, we bring you information, insights, ideas, and interviews from some of the industry's top thought leaders. Head to mediasalesmastery.com to help pick the topic and guide the show. This is Media Sales Mastery, the podcast for media sales professionals. In each episode, we aim to bring you information, insights, and interviews from some of the industry's top thought leaders. I'm your host, Jamie Wood, and our guest today is Alex Whitlock, director of one of Australia's leading and most awarded media publishing houses, Momentum Media. Alex is also the host of perhaps the only other podcast series in the world devoted to media sales, so make sure you check out Killer Media Sales on Apple Podcasts. Today, we're going to be covering off the topic of targeting relevant advertisers, a really critical step in the media sales process. Let's get into it now. Alex, welcome to the show. Uh, This is really interesting. You were supposed to fly up to Brisbane today, and unfortunately, you were unable to attend, so we're doing this down the line. Can you share with the audience the reason why? Well, Jamie, I will do anything to get out of a flight to Brisbane, Uh, and in this instance, (laughs) I decided the best thing to do was to tear the bicep off my left arm. Uh, a week ago. Now, I, I was really keen to be up there with you. Uh, we've, we've caught up many times and I was very excited to be on the show. I entered a, a, a boxing match for a host of different reasons. One of the primary reasons, though, was to raise some money for Starlight Foundation. And two weeks out from the actual bout, from the actual contest, uh, inspiring, I tore, yeah, I tore the, uh, the bicep off my left arm. So, unfortunately, rushed through surgery and here I am in our studio down here in Sydney. Well, we greatly appreciate it. And uh, for those of you listening, and I mentioned this earlier, Alex is actually the host of Killer Media Sales, which is another podcast that I would really encourage you to go onto iTunes and and subscribe to and have a listen to because it's perhaps the best and probably one of the only podcasts of its type. I know I naturally found Killer Media Sales just looking for it and and really realizing that there's not a lot of content out there for people. So it's a pleasure to have you on the show, mate. And, And the topic we're discussing today is probably a passion point of yours, but also an area that I think you speak to with more authority than anyone I've spoken to throughout my 10 years in media, which is around targeting relevant advertisers. So some people call it prospecting. Some people call it cold calling. Some people in agency land call it target client identification or business development. Whatever the term, the skill of being able to identify clients that are relevant prospects for your medium is absolutely critical. And I know that you're particularly passionate about this. And you know, would it be fair to say, Alex, this is probably one of the most, if not the most important part of the media sales process. Jamie, you're absolutely right. I think um, getting the right, uh, aligning yourself with the right prospect is critical. And it's it's critical for uh, for a couple of reasons. First of all, for the salesperson to utilize their very, very valuable time in, in the right way. But it's also critical if you're a professional salesperson, you know, your, your goal is to seek the best possible outcomes for your prospective advertiser. And, and they're not really advertisers. I know that that's perhaps the vehicle they use to gain outcomes, but you really should be partnering them to make sure that they are getting a good return on their investment with your platform, with your radio station, with your media hub. So it is absolutely critical to make sure that you are aligning the right prospects with your platform. Absolutely. Well, look, what we're going to do, we're going to get into this today. But the first thing I want to do, because most of the people who are listening to this podcast are going to be people in the first probably five years of their journey in media sales. And I'd love to talk to you about your your start in media. So let's kick off with where did you actually start? The first five. Jamie, very interesting. I uh, started in media sales when I uh, I went to Hong Kong in 1996, left the UK. Uh, if anyone's been to the UK or from the UK, they'll understand exactly why you want to get out. Um, 
went into uh, went over to to, uh, to Hong Kong. Initially, I actually went out to go be a journalist, um, but I got out there and the the job in journalism had gone. So I was directed towards a smoky, dark chamber that turned out to be the sales room. Uh, I interviewed so badly as a salesman, incidentally, that uh, the sales manager, after the at the end of the interview, said. Look, Alex, uh, you're a mate of Matthews. I'm going to give you the job, which wasn't the most encouraging start to my sales career. Um, so, so that's that's how I started out. But it was it, Jamie. It was really desperation and a, and a need to succeed that forged uh, my success in media sales. I had to survive. Um, I had to pick up skills as I found them. Uh, you know, sort of on the wing. Um, I was terrified of the notion. I had I had a lot of preconceived ideas about what selling was, and they were mostly negative. So I. I really set out, I, my, my main focus was on the outcomes for my client. I thought that's all I could really cling to in terms of learning to be a salesperson. So look, that's, that's where I started out. And I'm, I'm still in media sales now, largely uh, 25 years on. And you know, 25 years on, you've probably had the benefit of getting through that initial three to five year period, which we know, and we repeatedly say is the real, the real making or breaking of a media salesperson. And getting through the other side and, and having quite a bit of success, if I dare say, um, Momentum Media being one of the leading publishing houses in the country, what would you say is your favourite thing about the industry? What's what's kept you so hungry 25 years in the game? Oh, I, I absolutely love media. Uh, you know, your your area is, uh, is broadcast. Mine is primarily uh, sort of digital and print. But I think... Um, creating opportunities to connect with um, hard to reach audiences um, and, and also now, you know, sort of creating uh, sort of bespoke, in many times bespoke opportunities to to drive business for your, you know, for your partners, for your advertisers, I think is just so exciting. I think it's really, it really mm. challenges you as a salesperson. It challenges you as, as a person. Um, and I think the rewards when you, when you can put something together and you see the outcomes, you see the value for the client, I think is, is huge. I think also, you know, I'm, I'm ambitious. Um, I'm also keen to make money. It's a fantastic way to, uh, to forge a very rewarding career. I've been financially very successful as a salesperson. I earned, you know, sort of next to no money in the first 29 years of my life. And I've been, you know, financially very successful as a salesperson. So, uh, yeah, I love it. And media, media is just, um, a wonderful environment to work in, to be alongside the journalists, uh, to see the content that's created, to see, and particularly in the modern era of, uh, you know, sort of digital and, and also broadcast, seeing the things that you can create and being a part of that is really, really exciting. It, it really is. And I think that, um, you know, somebody like yourself, who obviously is not only still very much selling in the market, but obviously tasked with leading a media business and leading a, a quite a large sales force you would have a really good cross-section of people that you've seen throughout your career who have, you know, I dare say, mastered media sales. Yeah. So in your words, Alex, what, what skills does somebody need to, to have in order to master media sales as a profession? Very good question, Jamie. I think there's a couple of things. I think you have to have, I think there are skills, I think you learn skills as you go along. I think there is more of a sort of a, a vision or a set of ethics, and I think that you have to be totally client focused um, you have to be totally outcomes focused and totally client focused and I think you have to as soon as salespeople start putting their own agenda first or that of the business or the company then I think you are starting quite a long way back down the track I think you have to have that real fear and that real desire about the outcomes for the client so that's more of a sort of a positioning um, in terms of skills I think that you have to have um, you have to be organized now that doesn't mean to say having every single little bit and piece laid out and, and, and spending time, you know, sort of doing unnecessary things. But you have to have a good sense of priority and organization. You have to be incredibly hardworking, Jamie. Uh, you know, you have to have that 
just get stuff done about you. As well as the getting things organized, you've got to be able to crunch through when the going gets tough because otherwise what happens is that's where you find yourself washing around in that in that gray area of distraction, fiddling around with things that don't need to be done. Um, you have to be articulate and you have to be a clear communicator and you have to have the ability to inspire uh, excitement with those around you. Now, as, as a sales manager, you've got to be able to inspire your salespeople. As a salesman, you've got to generate excitement from your prospect. They've got to share your vision. So um, there are many skills, but I think they're probably the fundamental things really at the heart of, uh, of being successful from, from, you know, from a, a starting point. And I think that's a really good summation because you know, we, we often talk about things like being a self-starter, being entrepreneurial, moving forward, getting things done, focusing on high return activities. The common themes are very much there that it's a it's a personality tra- style almost um, yeah. that makes a successful media person. But there's no archetype for that person. It's it's they've just got to have those inherent traits, don't they? They do. And, and, and there is no, you're absolutely right, there is no one particular type of personality that makes a successful salesperson, but there are certain disciplines and certain ethics which you can find different kind of characteristics of people that are still there. And and I think, you know, good solid work ethic, absolute honesty and integrity, um, the the drive and desire to get things done and to get results and being very results orientated and very results focused. And I think these things take you through most scenarios as a salesperson and, and start to help deliver really outstanding results to your clients. Fantastic. Well, look, that's a great summation of the first five, Alex. Let's get into the main topic now. Media Sales Mastery. So what we're talking about this week is, you know, targeting relevant advertisers. And I think whether you're selling direct, whether you're looking to build a client base from scratch, you know, with a a brand new sort of day in a new role, or whether you've got a pre-existing client list or portfolio of agencies, whatever it may be, your job is to go out there and engage that market and engage those customers and maximize revenue from that market. So choosing where you actually allocate your time and energy is so vital in, in particularly what we do to that point earlier focusing on those high return activities and making sure that you're actually spending the majority of your time in revenue generating mode. So Alex, just broadly speaking, I mean, what criteria should a, should a target client have to make them a relevant and high value prospect for a media salesperson? Okay, a great question. I think the first thing that I would say for the salesperson to consider is you've got to kind of look to the very end. Um, you've got to look at um, not, you've got to look at the client and you've got to say, you know, you've got to take a broad view and go, is this, does this client fall into a uh, category where they're going to benefit from reaching our audience. That's the first thing. It's a really broad, it's a, it's a ticker across and you've got to be, it's got to be a tick. So once you've said, look, okay, I can see that these, you know, that this prospect would benefit from reaching either all or a segment of our audience, you've then got to look at, you've got to find the relevant strands. So you've got to find something uh, that is, first of all, timely. So, you know, is there something, is there a product or a service that they are offering right now that correlates with, um, you know, something that is happening right now on our, uh, you know, on, on our broadcast channel or on our media platform. You've also got to look at um, the likelihood of success. So you've got, to, you've got to see really clear bonds between what it is that they're offering um, and, and the audience that you can connect them with. And I think that then you've got to be able to articulate this to the prospect really quickly. So if we're talking about a prospect that you haven't spoken to before, those first few seconds of engagement on the phone have got to resonate so clearly with that prospect because if it if if you if it's lost in translation in that first 5 10 15 seconds to try and forge those links further down the track is so hard. So you've got to be really clear on why the prospect is suitable to the audience 
what it is that they're doing right now that is of value to the audience and and maybe something with your platform with your channel with your with your uh you know your your website that is relevant and timely right now that creates an opportunity and so i suppose when we're talking about picking up the phone to to a relevant advertiser and we're we're effectively cold calling them you can really see two camps of salespeople. There's people who just like to wing it and just like to pick up the phone and, yeah. and really kind of proactively try to get in there and just secure that meeting. And then I see the other school of people who like to do preparation and research and craft uh, a little bit of a valid business reason as to why. And I've always been curious your opinion on on what is the right amount of preparation before picking up the phone and where can you safely make some assumptions? That's a great question. And I, and I think what, what I always say, James, is I always put myself in the shoes very firmly of the buyer. And, and it, can go, it can go both ways. So let's look at, first of all, I'll, I'll look at the second part. Let's look at somebody who has prepared a very carefully crafted set of reasons why everything is relevant. When it takes quite a long time to articulate that. And if I'm receiving a phone call from somebody who has 10 out of 10 logical reasons why I should do something, I end up feeling a bit hemmed into a corner and it's not a great feeling if it's too much of a fait accompli. Going to the absolute other end of the spectrum, if I've got somebody fumbling around and sort of stuttering away and, and suggesting this and asking that and trying to cobble things together as they go, I feel like my time is being wasted. I personally feel that somewhere in between the two uh, is the right way to go for that initial call. So the, you need to make um, a couple of statements and say, look, I, I see that you, um, you know, look, you make the introduction, you say, look, I see that you're doing this and you're doing this, you're a market leader in that particular field. We have an audience of these particular consumers of that product, which I would imagine are going to be your target market. And you've just got to kind of bring those first two things together, connect those two things. And then I think, ask a series of pre-qualified questions. You may know the answer to them yourself, but it's almost a consultative process going through with the client. So I think you can go away and do, you, you need to go away and say, yes, I can see this product is right for the audience. Yes, I know we reach the right type of people, um, you know, but then make them a part of that very, very formative early conversation. So, you know, not giving, giving it to them on a plate where it's almost too logical for them to say no or sort of stumbling around and trying to kind of piece it together as you go. And so... When we're having those conversations on the call, and that's a really great framework to work to, by the way, uh, I think the way that you typically speak about picking up the phone and, and getting that meeting, it, it's very fluid. It feels very logical. It, it doesn't feel like it's a pressure cell. But what I really like about it is it's always very succinct. You're not giving away too much. You're actually leaving a little bit of enticement there to make sure that there is a reason to meet in person. And so for the audience out there that are maybe a little bit hesitant to pick up the phone and just secure the meeting and maybe not sort of do a proper job of de delivering a valid business reason. I kind of thought we could talk about what's the difference between selling your medium and selling a meeting. So what would be the difference between picking up that phone to a prospect? You're ultimately trying to sell a meeting with the yes. person, aren't you? You're not selling your media directly over the phone. So how, how do, do people listening sort of balance those two different objectives? Great question, Jamie. And I think you've got to think, again, I, I, I can't emphasize enough that you have to put yourselves in the shoes of the person who has sat at the other end of the telephone line. And, you know, 
the number of times when we get phoned and somebody is trying to talk to you and you don't want to talk to them, you've got to think a step further. If, if you've got somebody talking to you you don't know and they're suggesting having a meeting, my first reaction is, well, I don't want to meet with you. I get people trying to meet with me all the time, Jamie. I get recruiters and people trying to sell me things. So the fundamental thing that I would say is you have to, if you are looking to secure a meeting, you have to instill with the other person an absolute value for them in the meeting itself. And one of the great ways to do it, and Jamie, I would imagine that your guys have access to to a lot of research that you would con- conduct across uh, your audiences, across your various uh, various networks. So yeah. one of the opportunities that I would use um, to secure a meeting would be to say, I, w- I would have research and I would say, look, the reason why I want to talk to you is because, um, you know, we have this particular product here, which is perfectly aligned with this particular service that I see that you have. Um, and, and I would ultimately like to do business with you. However, I would really like to see if we get a meeting because I've just got access to research, which you're going to find particularly interesting, which gives you an insight into a particular target audience that I know you're looking to reach. And if you can give me X, Y, Z of your time, I'd like to run you through the research. I'd also like to find out about your broader objectives. And then maybe we can have a look and see how we can play a role in, in, in helping you achieve that. So I think the meeting has to have a value in itself, not just for the sake of I'm going to get down, get my foot in the door and sell you something that you may or may not want. The meeting has to have value in itself. It has to be, if you meet with me for half an hour, I'm going to give you some insights that even if you decide not to do do business with me, I'm going to give you something of value through, through the result of that meeting. Now, you touch on a really interesting point there around giving that compelling reason to meet. And, and I think you're right. I, I certainly get a lot of calls as well. And I think from both of our perspectives, you know, my calendar is pretty jam-packed for a couple of weeks in advance. So getting time in my calendar to meet with me on a short turnaround time can be difficult. But as media salespeople, we do need to create a bit of urgency and we need to see these people sooner rather than later. Yeah. So what would be some tips that you would suggest? How do you create genuine excitement around meeting with you sooner rather than later? So I think it depends on the on the individual scenario. So I, I liked, Jamie, my, my fundamental... Um, approach to selling really from sort of the very early origins is I make everything that I sell unique or I I think if you think that you are in the business of selling advertising you're on a hiding to nothing because no one wants to buy advertising you know really and I think often media salespeople end up selling media um, you've got to get away from that and you've got to sort of so in terms of making a, a meeting important I think you you highlight an opportunity a timeliness now it may be that you have something on your network that is uniquely available right now but it's going to go quickly and so the the need to meet is really urgent because I can see that you have this particular product I can see you've just launched something quite recently this dovetails really well with this really urgent opportunity look if you can give me half an hour of your time um, I can really highlight you know how these two things can fit together I've also and, and then if you can throw in again you know, some useful information, some valuable information that's going to give the client some insights into the broader opportunity through our network, or maybe show some of the behaviours of uh, of our of our um, audiences across the site. I think it's about making it's about aligning something I have in my hand right now with something you need right now that's going to happen in a very short space of time, and I've only got one of them, and it's perfect for you. That that's the way that I view things. I, if I can create that scenario every time I find it gets the best results. And that really sort of 
flows naturally into my next question, Alex. And I suppose when you got me on your podcast, one of the reasons you got me on was to get the difference between broadcast and selling into that agency market yeah. versus potentially selling direct and uh, and prospecting for new business. And when we prepared this podcast, we took a pretty extensive survey out to market with people in the first five years in media. One of the things that consistently came back um, as a question was, you know, I already have a client who is spending with me. Yeah. And I'm I'm being asked by my sales director or my sales manager to to go out and sell them something new. And there's a little bit of a, I guess, a natural tension there of going, I don't want to be seen to be badgering my clients and just throwing more and more product at them. So I guess the question would be, if it's about targeting a relevant advertiser with an opportunity, how might your approach differ? And how do you avoid the trap of having a non-productive, non-revenue generating meeting with an existing advertiser? Great question again. Um, look, I think in terms of, uh, I think I think wasted meetings are the pitfall of uh, of salespeople who reach that point where they're starting to sort of, you know, go to existing clients. And I think sometimes you can end up either falling foul of getting to a meeting where there's no real outcome, or otherwise, maybe you know you haven't really teed things up the right way. So I think the first thing is everything has to be an opportunity, Jamie. So whether you've sold, um, you know, one particular package to a prospect. And now you're going back with something else. You just, I would sell everything fresh. And I would say, and again, you just go in fresh. And the fact that they've spent money with you, that they're spending money with you is kind of immaterial. I go in with the same approach. And I would say, Jamie, a couple of minutes of your time. I have something really exciting, which is just cropped up right now. I won't even address the fact you're doing something elsewhere. I will treat this one thing that's sat between you and me right now like it's a sparkling diamond. We're both going to focus on it and I will sell that opportunity regardless of what else they're doing. And, and for ourselves here at Momentum Media, you know, we work with uh, one, of, one of our big portfolios um, is, is mortgages and we work with, you know, there, there are four big banks in Australia, as you know, and we sell multiple things to the big four banks and we do multiple things with them on, on that one on that one vertical alone so it doesn't really matter you treat every opportunity as something unique so it doesn't matter what else you're doing with them that's the way that I would view it yeah that's a really really interesting insight there and I think it's something that clearly was a bit of a tension point for a lot of people when they took that survey so thank you we're going to jump into another segment shortly um, called I can't ask my sales manager that but as we draw this segment to a close um, I'd love to hear from you Alex like what in your opinion, when it comes to targeting relevant advertisers, what do the media sales masters do in this process that separates them from the rest? I think they do, you know, just one of your earlier questions, I think that they have the ability to think clearly. So first of all, I, I look at a, at, a, at a prospect. I have the ability to go and work out exactly what it is that their product, you know, what, what their product is and what their objectives are. And, and I have the opportunity and I have the ability to then connect it with my audience and not necessarily with the entire audience um you almost always it's going to be a segment of you know the the uh, the professionals or the or the people that you reach so having that ability to see what the outcomes are you know for the for the prospect link it into um to what we have that is unique in terms of our our, our media audience and then showing how we can you know sort of facilitate that and achieve great things for them great great summation there very very nice I can't ask my sales manager that. Okay, so we're now jumping into the segment called I can't ask my sales manager that. And Alex, just to give you some context, you know, there are certain questions that I think were coming through the survey monkey, which led us to create this segment, which was there's certain things you just can't ask your boss. Yes. There are political dynamics. There are probably through fear of maybe being seen to not know as much as you might be pretending to know or projecting to know. So 
I thought it'd be good to throw a question and you and I sort of tackle it in real time and, and discuss it. This week's question is from uh, Anonymous. However, okay. she has said that she is a, an out-of-home rep um, and she's from Adelaide, which is actually a, a market that I spent a few years in. So shout out to Adelaide. Great media market down there. Very, very nice place to live too. So the question is, I work in direct sales for an out-of-home advertising business. Now, we aren't well known in the market and therefore we have strict KPIs on new business calls we need to make each week. We also have daily phone blocks to book meetings with new advertisers. I don't like this process. I never hit my call numbers because I never feel like I have enough time to research and compile a hit list, including the best contact person I need to speak to. Even when I do have this information, the phone blocks make me really anxious because it always takes multiple attempts to get the right person on the phone. How do I convince my sales manager that reaching out to people on other channels like LinkedIn or email is a better process to book meetings? Mm, Ooh, controversial uh, question yeah. at the end there, yeah. I mean, if I throw that to you, what's your what's your sort of broad interpretation of that? What do you think is is maybe some of the challenges there that uh, that they need to overcome? Jamie, I, I, you, I just love the phone. Um, in you know, in, in this era of LinkedIn, I am bombarded with LinkedIn messages. I, I ignore the vast bulk of them. I, you know, I kind of. I sort of get linked in with people. I don't really know why, um, how much benefit there is. I'm not too sure. But I get various messages from people. I just ignore them. They are not personalized. They're not really relevant to me. I know that somebody's sitting there just, just you know, sort of like flicking out messages left, right and center. To pick up the phone, to engage with somebody, the, the sound of a human voice, to hear the tone, to hear, you know, a, a level of personality and emotion, you can achieve so much. And, and I'm really very old fashioned. I believe that picking up the phone, and um, getting through, and even if you can't get to the right person to speak to there and then, you know, you, you just, you know, you need to find the way to find somebody who will point you in the right direction. And I'm a big, strong believer in picking up the phone personally. I mean, I would agree fully. Um, in, in this era, I think the phone is still the best way to secure a meeting with a relevant advertiser. And what I would do is um, is actually point to a resource. So head to mediasalesmastery.com, send us an email. And what I'll send you is, is a template that we use, which are just call sheets. So a call sheet, quite simply, is a one-page document whereby you do your research before you go into your prospecting. You put down the phone number, you put down the business, you put down your valid business reason or something that will jog your memory. And you go and lock yourself in a boardroom or you turn your computer and your email off. Because I think that when we talk about these phone blocks, where that anxiety comes from is yeah. you're sitting at your desk. You know, you're sitting at your desk with probably your outlook open, potentially other calls coming in, people walking around on the floor. So I can understand how that would be anxiety inducing. And I think that a lot of it just comes back to that focused 30 minutes where all you are doing is making phone calls with, a, with you know, enough research done in advance to make sure that you maximize that time and keep the intensity and the momentum up. I think that would actually be my recommendation as well. I just also add, Jamie, I just like looking at this, you know, just, just re reflecting over the question. I, mean, I wonder if that this person has actually been given the right guidance on how to actually conduct, you know, sort of you know, sort of telephone sales, prospecting and and, and, and selling and, and basic meeting organising over the phone because it is something that needs support and people need to be shown how to do it. And if you don't know how to do it, it is very, very daunting. And I can understand why you would want to use, you know, sort of a, a, maybe a, a seemingly simpler tactic such as email or LinkedIn. So, you know, there's a number of things there. Well, I think the other question that this puts in my mind, which I'd be cu curious to hear your thoughts on is, getting onto the right person, you know? So 
absolutely, I think there's there's a, uh, an argument to make for LinkedIn can help you potentially meander through and find who might be the contact for marketing and advertising. But I actually think that the phone call with the right kind of qualifying question, you can you can very quickly get put through to the right contact person. I mean, how would your guys open up a phone call like that if they want to speak to the contact that they know is the decision maker and the person that can actually move a deal through for them? I, I think I think Jamie asking. Um who has sign off or who makes decisions around advertising i think it's a simple straightforward thing i think most people will tell you and and even if that you know i mean there are occasions where you know we're using an agency where certain clients don't want to be contacted directly but i think just asking who should i speak to people will usually tell you what the right channel is and you end up you know whether it's going through uh, you know, maybe going directly to an agency and starting to speak to somebody over at the uh, the media buying house, or whether there is, you know, the marketing manager sometimes isn't the right person. So I think just ask the question uh, and and follow and, and and see what you're told. I completely agree. I think when you're selling into that small to medium business, the question of who looks after the marketing and advertising. Quite often, you'll find that uh, the person answering the phone will go, "Oh, that's me. I do that. Absolutely. I do that. And don't assume as yeah. well. You know, I think I think people fall foul of either they fall foul of two things. One, assuming that somebody isn't a decision maker, which can be a real pitfall. That you know, sometimes there are secretaries and EAs who make decisions. So I think don't assume that the title means they can't make a decision, and then don't assume that because somebody is the MD that they that they can make a decision. Ask and listen and trust. Yeah, no, I think that is a really, really nice. And look, best of luck to you. Please feel free to reach out to us an email if you'd like any more info. And as we draw this episode to a close, Alex, I just want to say thank you. I think it's it's always a real pleasure to hear your insights. And I think that you know this space very, very, very in depth. So I think the guys that are listening to this are potentially going to want to reach out to you. So, you know, how can they connect with you and how can they connect with the Killer Media Sales Podcast? Oh, thanks, Jamie. Look, Jamie, first of all, thank you very much for having me on your show. It's great uh, you know, that you took time to come out and catch up with us down here. And I know that you've been uh, a big supporter of, uh, of our show, so I'm very grateful for that. If you want to f- listen to Killer Media Sales, it's a little bit of a different format. Um, it's really sort of uh, myself and some of the guys internally where we really just chat um, a little bit more sort of fluidly, sometimes rambling off in different directions, but it's really sort of a, a media sales chat. It was spawned spawn off the back of the fact that, as you, as you quite rightly say, Jamie, there isn't anything out there. So it was really for our guys to listen to something to focus them. But you can check that out on killermediasales.com. Uh, we're on iTunes and we're also on Spotify. And then if you want to get in touch with, uh, with me personally, info at killermediasales.com. Wonderful. Look, uh, guys, don't forget to subscribe and leave a review on Apple Podcasts for both podcasts because it actually does help the podcast get, I suppose, a bit higher in the algorithm. It helps us get found. Um, Make sure you email us any questions you've got. We're eager to hear from people who want to pick the topics, guide the shows. Um, And I think being, you know, both of us being quite passionate about this industry and about media sales as its own unique sales discipline anything that we can do to add value, particularly people starting out in that career journey of media sales. I think both of us are very, very open to being contacted and want to really make sure that we can provide value to people. So Alex, thanks for being here, mate. We're going to get you back to talk very soon. I'd love to, Jamie. Thank you. Any parting sort of thoughts or or um, any sort of wisdom you want to leave as we draw this to a close? Uh, I would say just closing, uh, focus, It is. I can't say enough, put yourself in the shoes of the person that you're contacting every single time. And this is really about, Jamie, this is really about when you're starting to build things up. When, when you have a relationship, when you know somebody, when you have one of those clients you've worked with for a couple of years, it's, it's a bit different. But when you're starting to build up a, 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 a business in, in media sales, when you're starting to build up your career, 
Really take moments to think about the person you're about to call. Have a moment of pause and just think about how would you engage when your phone rings? How do you want to be contacted? Going with energy. I can tell you now the term smiling and dialing is so important. Have a smile on your face when you're speaking to the person. Keep it concise. Don't go on for too long and don't be afraid to talk about money and and, and do not be afraid to talk about an opportunity and everything should be a fantastic opportunity and it needs to happen right now. Alex Whitlock, thank you very much, sir. Jamie, thank you so much. You've been listening to Media Sales Mastery, the podcast for media sales professionals. Head to mediasalesmastery.com to help pick the topic, guide the show, and don't forget to subscribe to receive new episodes each week. Mm.